just Diamond, Jim, and Ree here today. But Ree, I want to talk to you. Uh, I know you like podcasts. Occasionally. I know you like food. Sometimes. Uh, I, there's a podcast I've listened to. It's, it's not new. It's several years old. It's a couple of British comedians that I really like, Ed Gamble and James Acaster. And they do a, a podcast called Off Menu. And what is they They ask uh, individuals their favorite uh, starter, main course, side, drink, and dessert. Uh, but you can have anything. James Acaster pretends to be a genie waiter and at a magical restaurant. You can have whatever you want. And they have a lot of different guests. And it's, you know, mostly they have like English, Irish guests, people, people from the UK, United Kingdom or Ireland uh, who know who the fuck these people are. Sometimes they don't. And it's like, those are also very funny. Like they had uh, this, the most recent episode was Paul Rudd. Now he was kind of weird because he's doing that series with Ashling B. And Ashling was one of their first guests and is very good friends with them. Uh, but, like, they had Dan Aykroyd on, and uh, he clearly did not know who they were and also didn't give a shit. Uh, they had Jack McBrayer on, and it took for him about halfway through the episode for him to realize, like, oh, these guys are actually funny, and it seems like they, they're very popular. Uh, they, but they had Paul F. Tompkins on, too, who was, it was amazing for, like, like the different Americans uh, on. Uh, the Paul Rudd is a, really a, a great episode. Paul F. Tompkins is maybe the funniest episode I've listened to. Uh, some of the British ones are very crazy because, like, they don't tell you, like, you don't have to, like, design, like, oh, this is a cohesive meal. And some people try to. Jack McBrayer did. And then some people are just fucking insane and, like, just say, the, like, the craziest stuff. They also have people, like, describe what their ideal restaurant looks like. Um, and uh, Alex Horn, who is, like, the inventor and co-host of Taskmaster, uh, said he wanted to be a drive through but he wanted it to be that his car was an American car at a British drive through so he had to reverse through the drive through and he was ordering everything through the drive through that way. <laughs> uh, so I yeah I've been I just been jamming. I am not a podcast person. I've maybe up up to like listening off menu. I've maybe only listened to like ten podcast episodes in my entire life. I have been hammering this podcast. I've probably listened to like fifteen. Oh, the other thing about it is that before they record the episode, they come up with a secret ingredient, mm. and if the person that mentions the secret ingredient as part of their meal, they immediately get kicked out of the, the dream restaurant. They don't get anything. Oh. Yeah. And so far, it's only happened once in the entire history of the series. Now, if this was a Buffalo-centric show, it, it would be ranch, right? Like, that would be... Well, so it, it, it changes every episode. Okay. And, like, for some people, like, they make it so that it's, it's something maybe about them. Like, I, uh, Mike Shore was on, the, and for his secret ingredient was beets because he's Moe Schrute. Oh. So they're like, yeah, you know, if so if he says beets, we hope he doesn't, but if he says beets, sometimes they say, like, you can tell they don't want to kick the person out because they're like, uh, if they say roasted ants, not just ants, roasted ants, we're kicking them out. But uh, sometimes I think they're, they're, they're trying to get somebody to get, get kicked out. With Nick Frost, the secret ingredient was Cornettos. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> that's pretty good. I, uh, so I, I don't have any, um, I have any podcasts, I don't think, other, yeah, I've got, like, there's a few that I listen to, but I listen to a lot of nerd stuff, like, a lot of Magic the Gathering related mm-hmm. content, uh, I, I, I still listen to Come Town occasionally, mm-hmm. even though it's problematic, but they're kind of funny, but. Yeah, I mean, it's, I, I just, I get down the, uh, the British comedy rabbit hole, I love <laughs> panel shows, I love Taskmaster, uh, and then I end up listening to British comedy podcasts about fake meals. I, I I've been I've been watching. Um, I love movies. I've been watching more movies. I've been on Letterboxd, which is I think my favorite social media uh, website because I, I post this on Twitter or X or whatever. Like nobody follows me on Letterboxd. I can just talk about movies. It's fucking awesome. Speaking of, speaking of movies, you know how often I go to films. Uh, once every decade. Yeah. Uh, so I went Saturday. Holy shit! Which one? The holdovers. That is a very Jim movie. It looks like it was yeah. good. It was very good. Uh, you know, I mean, G- Giamatti obviously, you know, very good. Um, the woman, she's I can't remember. I've seen her, um, who, like the supporting actress, amazing. And then there's the kid who plays the boarding school kid in it, and um, the way they got him for the the movie is they had picked some boarding schools in like Massachusetts they were going to film scenes at, and they had 
gone through like hundreds of auditions trying to like, get this role. And then they reached out to the drama departments at these schools. So the, the guy who plays, his, it's his first role ever. He graduated from high school in 2022. Yeah. And he's supporting actor, maybe lead actor in this movie with Paul Giamatti. That sounds, I've been, I want to go see that movie. It looks pretty good. I, I, I really enjoy it. There's a couple of things that I have some issues with. There's a, there's, I get it. It's set in like 1970. And so like, like somebody says like a, a very racist line towards an Asian kid, but they, it's basically only there to like show that like the main white kid like learns from it, which is a shitty thing to do. Because they'd already demonstrated that, like, he had empathy and was thoughtful before then. So you didn't need to, like, have this throwaway line. Like, like basically, you reduce the, the, this kid. His only scene in the entire movie, for the most part, is to be uh, harassed racially so that the white kid, whose fucking name is Angus, uh, can, can be like, you know, and he's not a shape-shifting badger, as much <laughs> as I was hoping the entire movie. I was like, wait, when is he going to shape-shift? Um, is to, so like that that's annoying you know it's so funny jim when for a long time doing the show i would always like to kind of like peeved if, if if ever we went off topic on uh buffalo politics or media or whatever whatever the, the news of the day but now as we're you know kind of winding down the show or at least this iteration whatever mm-hmm. comes next who's to say but now i just find it insanely fun to like not just talk about one, it, it, really fun to just talk about other stuff because mm-hmm. that's cool. Because I could talk about like other stuff all day, and also just the idea. I know there's at least a couple people who like will listen intensely just for the political stuff, and just some asshole listening, getting really mad about us like talking about fucking. Well, so this is the other British podcast. Well, this is the other thing with that off menu podcast is like, look, asking somebody their 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 ideal meal. It starts always with still or sparkling water, and then if they want papadums or bread, and then the, the, the five courses shouldn't take that long. Every episode is like an hour and a half minimum. Even like even like the Jack McBrayer wants to get out of there, you know, uh, Dan Aykroyd doesn't want to be there, get, want to get out of there, are like an hour and a half because they get them just talking about nonsense for a while. We love we love vamping. We love yeah. nonsense. Yeah. We, we, we have fun here. Mm-hmm. And we have fun with you, listener, of course, here in the Snake Pit. And we'd like to have fun with you in person on Friday, December 8th at our Christmas party at the Armory Restaurant on Connecticut Street. 7 to 10, tickets on Eventbrite, $40, fundraiser for Westside Community Services. We'll have food. We'll have live music, which you'll hear later um, or about later. You're not going to hear it. I mean, you, I guess if you show up, you'll hear it later, later being a totally different day than today. Right. Um, and uh, yeah, and like I keep saying, it is cash only, and they do not have an ATM on site. So you you gotta br- you know bring that fliff like a sultan. Yeah, I'm not bringing any extra cash though. I'm gonna bring enough cash for me to spend. So if you want the cash, you gotta you gotta bring it. Yeah, or or, or as Snake has said, he'll have it two to one exchange rate. That's how you know I went to Barbados a few years ago, and and that's what the American dollar like it was. For every uh, one American dollar, is two Bayesian dollars. I thought I thought you were gonna say you went to Barbados a couple years and there was Snake exchanging money. Well, yeah, I was getting there. Yeah, yes, oh, yeah. I was I was getting there. So he, <laughs> you, you came with American dollars. Now he gave you half of the Bayesian dollar, but you didn't know better at the time. Right. Yes. I mean, you you got a little bit better if you knew the plum grab. If you knew the plum grab, yes, yeah. that is that is the way to get to get one to one exchange with the right. plum grab. Yeah. But, uh, but okay, sure. We'll talk about the news. We mm-hmm. can talk about, you know, we can talk about movies all day. I'd, I'd love that. Mm-hmm. Talk about the holdovers once I see it. But, but we are, uh, Jim, we are not under attack. No, we, we aren't. I mean, <laughs> we sound a little sad about that. <laughs> <laughs> sound a little dejected about that. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, I mean, we're not nearly as dejected as a lot of local law enforcement agencies are. Yes, that, that, this this was going to be a prime fundraising opportunity for them. You know, it was uh, it was a wild day. Wednesday was it the twenty second? Yeah, yeah. Uh, the literally the day before Thanksgiving, they ended up having to close the airport, which I'm sure didn't affect anybody. Not one person. I mean, day before Thanksgiving, you know, 
probably pretty easy to, you know, to not worry about interfering with travel. Well, did, did, I think that the flights ended up going through, but they closed the border for a period of time. But, and, but they did close the airport for a while. Mm. Uh, so, like, you know, and so they, I mean, they, they did delay the flight. They didn't close it for, like, you know, overnight. But people did get delayed and, you know, both arrivals and departures. And as it turns out, it was not, in fact, a terrorist attack. No. No. It was uh, a really expensive car going at an insanely high rate of speed. Whether or not it was a victim to a malfunction or if there was a medical event by the driver, who's to say? Mm-hmm. Sadly, you know, two people, um, I can't remember the names. I, I know they're business owners in Grand Island. Yeah, right? uh, they're Grand Island business They owned uh, like an Ace Hardware, uh, Gwee's. Gwee's, right? Gwee's, which I think has a couple locations outside of Grand Island. I, I don't remember the name. Uh, that's bad of me. Uh, but it's uh, you know it turns out that it just was an accident. But I mean, it initially it did, and not only did initially like were people concerned that it may not be, you know, but you had certain uh, news sources <laughs> call Fox News uh, out there reporting that it was terrorist related, uh, and then you know, and then you did have you know Hochul out there you know, having a press conference saying like, look, we don't think it's terrorist related, but like it's still under investigation. Uh, trying to figure out what was going on, so uh, yeah, it didn't uh, noted local piece of shit. Uh, Mike Caputo put some kind of tweet out there. Yeah, I mean, well, I I can't even pay attention to all the garbage he says. I mean, this is a guy who also recently had a, a story that he he told people about how he went. It was supposed to be a speaking engagement he was going to get paid for, and he got introduced to somebody, and they said that they worked for the FBI, and he said he left because he wouldn't work, go to any place. He felt he was being set up because the FBI is part of the deep state who hates Republicans. Obviously, as, as we all remember, when James Comey did nothing to cost Hillary the election. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, really, for a brief James moment, Comey, also known as the DJ Marshmallow. <laughs> for, for a brief, like, couple hours there, it really uh, gave license to just some massive fucking shitheads to kind of spout off some stuff. Um Thankfully, it wasn't. I mean, I, I say thankfully about two yeah. people dying, but thankfully, it was not any kind of attack, and it wasn't anything um, other than a, a very isolated incident. And the video, the video is wild, or at least like, there's a couple of videos I've seen. Yeah. Um, you know, again, I mean, I know at the end of this, two people are dying, so it's kind of like watching a snuff film, but it, it's like something out of Fast and Furious, like the car just like, yeah, holy shit. I mean, I get this is the good thing about this, I suppose. In comparison, I mean, there's no good thing that two people died in an accident, but like, it, I think back to like, you know, how graphic that video kind of is like, because you know people die at it. Yeah. If this had happened on Thanksgiving, right, when kids were home and the news could be updated and they could be watching the news with their parents, as opposed to, we didn't really see the video until like the seven o'clock news or later. Um, and so like, yeah, it just makes me think of like Filter, Hey Man, nice shot uh, with, what's his name? Uh... Oh God, Bud something, Bud, Bud Dwyer, Bud, Bud Dwyer, Dwyer uh, on a day where like school was canceled all across Pennsylvania because of snow, and so like all the kids were watching that. Yeah, yeah, it would have been wild. Still yeah. was, but yeah, um, yeah. No, I mean, thankfully, like I said, no, no siege, no terrorist, no um, protest, you know, whatever. Well, just... I, I, I do like by the fact that I can remember Bud Dwyer's name, but ask me what my nephew Seth's birthday is, and I have no, I just walk out of the room. I have no clue. I just I immediately put bury my head in the sand like an ostrich. Bud Dwyer. Yeah, you got to remember that. That's cultural. Yeah. Touch point. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I was in high school when Filter came out with that song. It's a great song. For sure. Mm-hmm. Well, in the wild world of local political figures, Jim. Yeah. We have uh, Pat Burke. Pat Burke, he's still, well, he's still representing the fine folks of, what, what assembly district is that, 142? Yeah, 142nd, uh, the South Buffalo, although he now has a little bit of, like, Lovejoy and maybe even some Fillmore, uh, as well as parts of Lackawanna, all of Seneca, and all of Orchard Park. Oh, all of this could be yours. Yeah. Yep, and in fact, it is right. I, I think I think if he loses election, you own the bills. You get the you get the or at least this new stadium. Yes, yes, and again, you know, we've talked uh, at length about Mr. Burke um, plenty of times. Uh, I, I I'd still consider him a friend, mm-hmm. even though I, I have in the past yeah. called his ideas idiotic, and I've said, I've said it to his face too. By the way, um, I'm, I don't just have like 
pod- podcaster's muscles. I, I have, you know, I wouldn't say muscles, but I, I'd say it to his face. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm from South Buffalo. You know, yeah. we, we are, I, I'm also an idiot of yeah. a kind. And I, I, I have no uh, trouble saying, you know, what's on my mind. Uh, and neither does Pat Burke, apparently, Jim, because look, we've been documenting this story for, Jesus, over a year, year yeah. and a half, um, about the fallout between Pat and, of course, Matt Deering. And also uh, another staffer, Nicole Goliath, I believe. Yeah. Um, and so we have a suit being brought by Matt Deering and Nicole Goliath against Pat Burke. Um, they're being represented by none other than, that's right, Nate McMurray. Nate Watch. Woo, woo, woo. Yeah, I mean, I mean and this is a good thing that Nate does. Uh, I mean, I... We'll talk about Nate a little bit more later. We'll go. We'll go off. But, we'll pop off on Nate. Uh, but he does tend to pick good cases. As far yeah. as far as like like not good case, like to make him money. Good cases like those are like the, probably the morally correct stances to take on the case. He does. He does do that, right? You know, he's helped out our friend Jen Page and, and stuff like that in the past too, right? Um, so, it, the Rochester firefighters, right? Yeah, you know. I mean, so that's good. Fine, whatever. Uh, the the Burke stuff. I mean, look. It's gonna this these kind of suits take a long time, regardless of who is being accused. When you have the state assembly doing like one of the investigations into their own members, that's all. That's just gonna draw it out a little bit longer. I I'm sure that you know, like as I mentioned several times on the podcast, Carl Heasty, the speaker of the assembly, really likes Pat. He he re, he really is fond of Burke. Uh, there are, I'm sure, other members of the leadership in the assembly who don't care or maybe are even not in, like fond of him um, and wish that maybe he would just not run or would lose or would do anything else and they it would just not be their problem anymore. It doesn't look like that's going to be that, that's not going to that's not going to get they're not going to get their wish. Um, it does look like, though, given the timing, man, we're going to. We're gonna hear maybe like some more developments, and probably like the worst time electorally for Pat Burke. Yeah, it'll be really interesting to see uh, how Pat navigates these waters, because yeah, he's getting it from all sides. You know, his former staffers, obviously, um, people who would think would be sympathetic to him, but for the fact that well, he royally pissed them off, and you know, uh, here they're being alleged of. Um, complete mistreatment in the workplace. Mm-hmm. Uh, Pat Burke is. He's also remember, perhaps facing a challenge from his right flank. Uh, certainly in West Seneca, the uh, pretty conservative haven nowadays, I'd say, of of mm-hmm. Buffalo, Western New York. Uh, potential challengers. We've talked about Mickey Kearns. Yeah. There could also just be somebody else comes out of the woodwork too. Yeah. Um, you know, West Seneca. As long as like, look. They do not. I, I'll tell you right now, the conservative folks of that district do not like Pat Burke. Right. Well, and, and you know, one of the things that's been helpful to Pat is that you know he, he's basically run against people who like weren't. They were kind of goofballs, right? Like you know, they weren't Christy Casilio goof, but they weren't far off. You know, San, Sandy Mang is not far off Christy Casilio. Maybe actually worse in some ways. Just didn't get as much bandwidth about it. Right. Right. Um. And, you know, and his race has been close because, like, it's a, you know, look, Orchard Park, despite the fact that they elected a Democratic council member this year, is very, you know, heavily Republican. Uh, the town of West Seneca, as we've talked about, has gone crazy Republican. Uh, and there's just so many votes you can get out of Lackawanna and South Buffalo and, and Lovejoy. I, you know, Mickey, because that's, we keep hearing about that, uh, because, you know, Mickey has his own problems in the, that he keeps getting up in the news. And, you know, maybe it would just be easier for him not to be clerk anymore and go back to Albany, uh, where he has fewer staff to worry about managing, right? Um, I think Burke wins a Democratic primary against him handily. Right? I think Burke probably gets the endorsement despite the this ongoing lawsuit, uh, but I think he probably gets the endorsement and over Mickey. If somebody else came about, I don't know. Like, that could be an issue, right? Uh, as we've talked about it, Burke doesn't play the 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 committee game. He doesn't have people on the committee really, um, so he could have a, a problem there. If it's Mickey, he probably wins a Democratic primary against him pretty handily. But 
look, I mean, Mickey is going to crush him in West Seneca. He's going to probably beat him in Orchard Park. It'll be it'll be close because Orchard Park, you know, they're they're Republican, but they're like Mickey's kind of nonsense, right? Like they they don't want they're not really ever happy with him. Um, but you know, Burke has, as I've mentioned on the podcast before, like he has won re-election based off his strength in South Buffalo. Well, I mean, Mickey, Mickey eats away at that. Yeah, and we could prognosticate for a while on this. I, I, I don't want to. I don't want to um, lose sight of of the lawsuit that yeah. uh, Deering and Goliath are bringing up. We've we've talked about it at length, but just as a refresher here, just because it's now moving forward um, as an actual lawsuit, I should say, uh, filed in the state supreme court by Nate McMurray on behalf of Matt Deering and Nicole Goliath. Uh, they accuse Burke of discriminating against them based on race and gender and their outside political activities. Now, Burke denied the claims, saying his former employees were harassing them. Um, remember, uh, a lot of this all kind of fell apart in the wake of the Tops shooting. Yes. And, uh, you know, at the time, uh, Deering and, and fellow staffers calling on Burke to be more forceful in his condemnation of the shooter. Um, this led to a series of events that, where that, that, that is what they are saying, right? That is what they're saying. Right. That is what they're but, saying. Again, like none of us were in the office. Right. But like what, what, and what they've been consistently saying, uh, uh, Goliath, Deering, and then there was a third staffer who was not in the lawsuit, but also was terminated at that time uh, that they were pushing Burke, uh, to hold to his, his initial take, according to them was that he wanted to be f- pretty firm and strong about, you know, anti-white supremacy. And this is a terrorist attack. And, very, very loud about it, and then scaled that back. And you know, they said, "Well, no, you, you should do like that's the morally correct thing to do is, is to kind of push this." And then, uh, and that's when he apparently came into the office, according to them, and terminated them. And then after that, they're like, "Well, you know, there were these additional things that were going on in the office that that you know made it uncomfortable." Yeah, and and you know, again, we talk about. Um... And we're reading, excuse me, I'm reading this from the Buffalo News article uh, describing this, but basically accusations that Burke repeatedly commented on women's appearances, joked about genitalia, and discussed the sex lives of both his teenage son and fellow legislators in the office. Um, So yeah, we'll see where this goes, but you're right, uh, rather rather poorly time for Mr. Burke. Well, uh, he's not going to make any friends in the assembly is that this is also poorly timed for them, right? If you're Monica Wallace, and based off of the votes in Cheektowaga this year, again, prognosticated a little bit, but like, you know, Cheektowaga elected two Republican council members, and Brian Nowak barely won the, the supervisor's seat. Um, and so that might embolden somebody to run against you. You know, one of the things you're going to have to answer for uh, during the campaign, and maybe even do, is speak out against Burke. Your you know, colleague in the in the legislature. The DAC, the Democratic Assembly Campaign Committee, might have to pay for ads for you to condemn a member of the assembly. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's because like, look, I don't think whoever the Republican who runs against her is gonna be arguing in good faith, but she still has to go out there and argue it. And she should, right? Like she should say, like, hey, look. Discriminating for somebody on the uh, against people on the case of uh, uh, race or you know uh, gender identity is wrong. A, a discri- any discrimination is wrong, but like you know, uh, you know those are like those are majorly protected classes, and you know especially with the power dynamics that you know, are in play there, you know, that is something that should be condemned. So you know it's and. Like I hate to like get to this real politics thing. We're like, oh, but this this makes them that this puts them in a bad position, but it does. You know, like I'm sure. You know, like I said earlier, like there are some people who just wish that Pat Burke would go away. I bet Monica Wallace is one of those people. Her district borders his. She's got to put up, and she's the she is in the other like swing district in the area, right? Yeah. You know. Uh, Karen McMahon might have to make a comment about it or if she's pushed on it, but her district's pretty safe. Uh, Bill Conrad, pretty safe district. John Rivera, pretty safe district. And then the Republican districts around here, like, you know, like Morinello or, you know, Hawley or DiPietro, 
um, you know, out there, like they're gonna still they're they're gonna use Pat Burke as a punch and like say like this is all Democrats. We like when we talk about Democrats being groomers, look at Pat Burke talking about his son's sex life. I mean, there it is, right? <sighs> there, there it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, moving on from the wild world of politics to perhaps the even wilder, let, wilder but, world. But still talking about teenagers. But still talking about teenagers, yes. Uh, but not their sex lives. Yeah. Uh, the wilder world of high school football. Well, I will say, right, first off, uh, about 18 years ago or so, maybe 15 years ago, something like that, uh, some friends and I decided that were like, hey, what's the most degenerate thing we could do without getting arrested? And we decided it was start a high school fantasy football league. And so we, we drafted, but like the Buffalo News doesn't give you like full box scores. So we just drafted like, you know, like Tonawanda defense or like, you know, Grand Island receivers because they, they broke it down like that uh, for like touchdowns and points. Um, and so we, we did a draft and I would have been so angry in my high school fantasy football league if Bennett High School lost on a game they had a protest because it apparently the officials had in the bag for Christian Brothers Academy. Yeah, this is a wild and woolly one. So, uh, Bennett Tigers, they lost 21 to 8 to Christian Brothers Academy yep. in uh in the semifinal game right. in, in the original CBA. Yes. Yes. Uh leading up to this 18 game winning streak coming yeah, into this game. D- defending state champs. I mean, it it is wild uh to think that you know the our, our Bennett Tigers. We, uh, uh, they had some. They had some, you know, close calls. They they didn't beat Lancaster as well as they should have in Section Six. And then the far west regions, they scored a touchdown on literally the last play of the game as time expired to win. So it was they weren't marching like last year. It was like total. It was you know like early Nick Saban at Alabama. Well, our, our our cardiac kids. It was not in the cards for them this time, Jim. Because yeah, this is more or less miles at LSU. Yeah. So uh, apparently, and I have not watched the game. I don't know, but from all reports, the Bennett Tigers uh, protested, and not only does this include the players, this also includes uh, Jeffrey Hammond, the Buffalo Public Schools Director of Public Relations and Inf- Information. Um, well, he put out. A, I'm sorry, he put out a statement, Jeff Hammond. Um, so, just to quote, no, it was the, like the, but I think the BPS athletic director, BPS assistant superintendent for athletics, Michael House, uh, attempted to enter the playing field to support Bennett head coach Steve McDuffie as he attempted to protest inconsistent rule enforcement with game officials, and House was ejected from the game. The protest was denied by the New York State Public High School Athletic Association. Um, so it was a string of second quarter unsportsmanlike conduct penalties. Mm-hmm. They chose to protest. So again, without having seen the game, I can only imagine what that looked like. I mean, I can only imagine when you have a competition between Christian Brothers Academy and Bennett High School. What's I mean? I mean, it, 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 it really it sounds like what like the like the semifinals or finals of the, the Remember the Titans movie, right? Yes, that's a good, that's a good call. Um, and McDuffie, which, which with local like a uh, fan of local Buffalo celebrity Haley Steinfeld in that movie, yes, it she, all comes back to Haley Steinfeld. You know, yeah, it's, it's, it all comes back to people who go to Hutch's. Yeah, that's right. And uh, yeah, McDuffie uh, intends to press assault charges uh, charges against the police officer. Yeah. So, you know, better high school football. It really is. It it does feel kind of like Friday Night Lights. You know, it's yeah. uh, my, hopefully minus the. Teenagers getting on. I don't know. It's not my bag, but uh, but I do love Friday Night Lights. It's a great show. I've never actually seen the movie Friday Night Lights. I, I've I've read parts of the book, but the TV show is one of my all-time favorite yeah. shows. Uh, no, I mean it's and it's it's it's. I went when I was growing up. When I was in high school, I, when I was playing football and, and all that. Um, you know, the city schools weren't part of Section Six. They had the Yale Cup, and and the, and the private schools were always something different. Monsignor Martin usually, right? Yeah. And they had, you know, and the good private schools had, like, independent games, like in Ohio and Pennsylvania. And then Timon did whatever they did. 
Yeah, time in St. Francis, right? Yeah. Well, St. Francis had some out-of-town games. Yeah. Because uh, they, they occasionally had decent football programs. Uh, you know, but, you know, like St. Mary's, time in. You know, those those academies uh, or those schools, uh, you know, the dar- the garbage schedules. Yep. Um, and I'm happy to see, like, that the they, City of Buffalo schools finally get to, to compete against the other Section 6 schools. And what the City of Buffalo did was, you know, like, look – they're not having football teams for every school because like, then they would have like they'd be the smallest schools in the area by enrollment. If they if every high school had their own like if the Maritime Academy had their own football team, if Da Vinci had its own football, so they, they've combined some of them, not all of them, but some of them uh, to, together, and so they actually have some competitive teams. Now I've heard some people like in like in that like the Lancaster Orchard Park Clarence like oh well. Bennett, you know, they have too like it's so. I was like, first of all, they don't have too many students. Like, they fit into the the thing. You guys had way more students for a long time, and you were just beating the shit out of people. And it's not like you know in the city, like they're recruiting kids to go just to Bennett. Like that is not the type of magnet school that Bennett is. Like they're not they're not going out of their way. And I was like, also like they have like no funding. I mean, they're literally the bad news bears, but they're just good. They're just good. They're just, they're just good. And like the, your criticism of like, oh, well, the, the city has consolidated all these schools. It's like, then why aren't all the city schools dominating? Why isn't the McKinley football program also dominant? Well, the McKinley basketball program is pretty good. But like, pretty good. The, yeah. Uh, yeah. But like, you know, that's, I don't know. So, but like, moral of the story is if you're interested in gambling on high school sports, hit me up. Yeah, we could talk about this all day. Right, yeah. And so uh, it's, we, you, we can all be our own Western New York Caesars gambling on Western on high school sports. Yeah. Well, apparently we are still talking about the sex lives of teenagers still, Jim. Uh, um, well. Not not in any fun way. No. Um, yeah. uh, so there's been a new story um, that has come to light about more, more allegations of uh, – Priests in parishes in Western New York uh, sexually assaulting. Uh, yeah, um, nine priests, two religious brothers. Uh, the suits, the, the misconduct dates range from '64 to 2010. Um, uh, only three of the accused are still living, but one of the the, the 2010 one uh, was then somebody who was a campus minister and art instructor at Duval. And apparently, and allegedly sexually abused and assaulted a student under the guise of spiritual and religious counsel. Uh, the lawsuit states that this, this priest uh, groomed the man over a period of time. Um, and it, this marks the first ac- uh, public accusation against this priest who is an active priest. Jesus. Um, yeah, so now the Oblates uh, of St. Francis de Sales uh, suspended him from public ministry effective immediately. Um, but. I mean, you're talking about, uh, and then, and then the, 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 other, the other one from 2010 is a, a priest who's alleged to make uh, unwanted sexual advances towards a man at 14 Holy Helpers in West Seneca. Jesus Christ. Um, he, in, he invited the man to the rectory, allegedly, uh, for post-funeral counseling and consolation. And there he began to massage the man's uh, shoulders, kiss his forehead, and shoulders. Uh, he was that priest was placed on leave in September by the diocese. Um, he serves as pastor at a bunch of different parishes, included Columba Bridge at St. Lawrence and St. Martin de Porres, and Blessed Trinity. Do, do they have any names on that? Yeah, uh, the 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 three who are still alive are Father Paul Keeling, Father Thomas Ribbets, who is the Duval, and Father Joseph Rogliano, who is fourteen Holy Helpers. I don't have much to say about any of that other than that's fucking vile. So, yeah. not to be a bummer, not to be a bummer, guys, but like, this shit just happened for years here. Obviously, we, if you live in Western New York, you've heard about just the terrible things that, and not all fucking priests have done this, but enough. Did you, have, just, did you just do not all? I just did not all priests. Okay, okay, I just did not all priests. Not all priests. Well, that's, uh, we're be selling those shirts at the Christmas party. <laughs> that's, that's, and it will have Priest Holmes' picture on it. <laughs> not all, not all priests. Um, no, but I mean, 
it, it's just a vile, terrible thing. So I don't know. You got anything else on this, Jim? Uh, no, I mean, no, it's, it's, a, it's an atrocious thing. And, and uh, I, I, Fuck those guys. Yeah. Right? yeah. <laughs> Official square podcast position. Yeah. I mean, like, fuck you know, those guys. Right. I, I am a, for the most part, a prison abolitionist. Um, I don't, so, like, I don't know. I guess you just, like, shoot them into space and make them live at the International Space Station for the rest of their days. Sure. You know, like, it's not, it's not, jail. like, you're free to do what you want. You just not go outside. You can do it in space. Yeah. Well, so, well, moving on to it. A decidedly lighter-hearted topic. It, we're we're going to try, like, for the last month or so, we're going to try to end on light-hearted topics. We're going to try. Yeah. Yeah, we're going to try. There's a lot so, of... So do better, City of Buffalo. Yeah, <laughs> look, really, we, we want to go out on, uh, you know, if not a high, but on a high vibe. Yeah. We, we want you to feel, listen, we want you to feel good. We feel good. Um, we feel good about, you know, Square Podcast. We feel good about all the the insanity that we've talked about over the years, it, it is, it, it is fascinating to just see the different characters and figures and stories that our nutty little town produces. And Jim, few, few are just as ardently batshit insane as yes. Naming Murray. Yeah. I mean, my God, it's, it's just, if he were a professional actor, comedian, like somebody in arts, I would think that he has been working on like a years long performance piece, like in like the mold of like Andy Kaufman or Joaquin Phoenix or something like that, uh, where he's just going out of his way to, to be a character. I texted that exact same thing to Seltzer mom. <laughs> I, I said, I was like, I am waiting for the day that fucking we have like an Andy Kaufman like reveal mm-hmm. from him because it truly like it is. Amazing. And to what end, you may ask? Like, look, obviously we discussed that, you know, he will do some good in the community occasionally, you know, representing uh, or taking on cases as a lawyer because, yes, he unbelievably passed a bar exam. And maybe he's just like a savant of a lawyer. I don't know. I, I have my doubts. But Nate McMurray, he has a job. Well, He's had he. We know he had a job. I I don't know his current employer, and frankly, it's not up to me to ask. But what I do know is that man tweets with no inhibition whatsoever. Now uh, let's let's talk about this tweet. He he tried to have some substance in earlier before we get to more of the like just like comically insane tweets. Go for it. Uh, so he he tweeted earlier. Uh, you you saw it because I I have successfully unregistered my Twitter account. Smart. You can't you can't really delete anything Twitter. Uh, Elon Musk won't let you leave X, um, but uh, I uh, I have like stopped using my Twitter account, but I, I can still access Twitter. So he had a, a, a I mean, we could only be described as a diatribe uh, earlier this week about how politics, specifically in the 26th congressional district in the Democratic Party, work according to Nate McMurray, and he started off with like he had him. Grouped into, uh, and that's me opening a drink because I have to have one during this. He grouped them into people who have influence. He started off with Mark Polonkars and Jeremy Zellner. He opined that Polonkars and Zellner don't get along, but they work together to control the party. Uh, and I don't know that that's true. I, th- I think they get along fairly well. And then he also opined that, like, that Zellner, uh, he, some there are some people who hate Zellner because he took the party away from Steve Pigeon, which would be news to Len Lenahan, who was chair for years between Pigeon and Zellner's existence. He also mentioned how Zellner, as both chair and board of elections commissioner on the Democratic side, rules the local party with like an iron fist and. Uh, if he can't make it de jure illegal for you to run against him, he makes it de facto illegal. And, like, he uses his cadre of lawyers to make it illegal for you to run against him. He immediately follows that up with, and here are some people who are stronger or at least as strong as Zellner. In the Democrat, like, he starts off with Higgins and, and Kennedy and how, like, 
Kennedy is a monster, and he all he does is raise money, uh, and he he's able to ignore Zellner because of that. The same Zellner who he falsely accused of taking over from Steve Pigeon again, like I said, like Len Lenahan was there, and then also he said he has an iron fist. He also said that Tim Kennedy, when he left the county ledge, tried to keep help the Republicans maintain control of the state assembly. Well. There's a couple of issues there. One, Tim Kennedy is a state senator, never been in the state assembly. Two, Republicans have not been close to having control of the state assembly in fucking generations. Like, like I, I think, like, Nelson Rockefeller was a child the last time, like, the state Republicans had a chance of controlling the assembly. <laughs> like, he obviously met state senate, but he edited it a couple of times, and no point changed that. No. He then says, uh, I know I said that, you know, Zellner has a... You know, an iron fist control of ECDC and, and the city. Um, and I just pointed out how the entire South District and those areas ignore him. Uh, but let me also point out how the entire East Side ignores him because the because Byron Brown can ignore Jeremy Zellner. So, I mean, he's doing a pretty good argument of actually arguing against that his one of his boogeymen, Zellner and Polnikart, he who he says don't like each other, but they work together, and he hates both of them because they're not just rolling over and giving him the endorsement on anything. Uh, even though he was, you know, selected earlier and get an endorsement and was often given all the resources they could possibly give him um, that were reasonable to give, uh, and he's like, well, yeah, well, sure, like they have infinite power, other than like these people who have more power than them. It's a it's a it's a, it's a very crazy take. I mean, just the sheer breadth of it uh, of this. I post. I I had to go back and reread it because I stopped when I I was counting the factual errors in it, and when I got to the tenth, which was before I got to his segment on Byron Brown, I stopped. You know, we uh, believe it or not, as much as as much fun we have with with the Nate watches and. You know, just the absolute absurdity that this man puts out into the world. We we do have internal debates here. Like, are are we uh, are we giving oxygen to somebody who's like not well? Like like are we? Uh, I, you know, th- this guy just puts things out there into the ether that you're just like this. This is a show. This is a spectacle. But but in our defense, Jim. This is a three-time congressional candidate. Right. Well, but, but here's the thing. It's like, I think about it that, you know, we didn't really give Chrissy Casilio much, much oxygen. Or, I mean, we like to make jokes about Ben Carlyle, but, but we didn't but we didn't talk about him as though, like, he's or her were vaguely serious. But if they got multiple times where they got to, they were endorsed to run for office. He was a Grand Island supervisor. Like, he he was an elected official. Right. And, and, and from that, he was plucked. To be the person to run against the in trouble Chris Collins, and you know, and to the point where, like, when they tried to get him to step away so that they could get Hochul in there, he was in a position he could say no. I mean, this is a guy like he he's out there playing like this victim. Like, I can't I, I can't get a break. Can can anybody help a poor uh, a, you know a poor American down on his luck? <laughs> and like. You've been a three-time congressional candidate with support from the state, local, and national party. Like, what did you get? Not get as much support as you would have liked, probably, but probably because like they knew you were going to lose. You know, like Chrissy Casilio probably is not very happy with Mike Crocker right now. She probably wishes that the Erie County Republican Party would have spent a lot more time and effort on her race than, say, Mike Jasinski's race, right? Because they both lost. And maybe she could have got closer. Maybe she could have won. Jasinski never was going to win as far as concerned. I'm sure Jasinski thinks that like Chrissy Casilio you know, should you know n- never ha- you know, show her face in public again. And maybe if they had spent some of that money on him, he could have. Like, that's what happens with when you lose, right? And you're like, oh, if only this had happened, or only this had happened, or only we had you know prioritized me more, I could have made this work. I don't think it was going to happen. I, don't, I mean, look, if you can't beat somebody. Who's already been indicted? You're you're like it's it's pretty like I don't think you're gonna win, and like it was it was like the most like you know Republican, you know district upstate one of the more Republican districts in the United States, and you know, one of his points about this and he's correct is that this congressional district 
is one of the bluest districts in New York State. It's one of the bluest districts in a upstate, non-major urban area part of the country. That's correct. I will say, as I mentioned before, you know, and I'm not, I'm not trying to defend Tim Kennedy. For, hey, first of all, he doesn't need me to do it, but like, uh, he can he can afford much better people than me to, to do it. Maybe Mike Shore's available. Um, but like, uh, Kennedy, as I mentioned, yes, when he was in the county ledge, you know, he made deals with Chris Collins and he did some more conservative things. Uh, when he got into the Senate, yes, he worked with the Independent Democratic. Uh, whatever it was, uh, committee or something like that, uh, to like kind of give us a tenuous control to basically to the Republicans, but you know some conservative Democrats control. But since then, and he's role, moved into a more leadership role in the Democrat. He's been a pretty consistent vote for like the downstate issues. You know, uh, I mean, and like you can be cynical about it. You could say, well, he's done that because that's where the money comes from. Maybe. He's do, but he's voting that he's way. He's still done it. He's still done the vote. He, he's still done it, right? You know. Yeah. Well, and, and look, all, well said about Tim Kennedy, of course. But just back to Nate, and, and I want to stress, like again, this guy, three time, three time, congressional race loser. Yes, I get it. I understand the logistics of the districts. I understand that, you know, even after the first time it got the districts were redrawn, or even to, to be more conservative, unfavorable to him. Nonetheless, intimated that he would, in fact, primary Mark Polk. I laugh because it's so insane to even think. But we talked about it at the time that Nate McMurray went on uh, like a just a campaign, uh, and not a real campaign, of course, a campaign of tweets. Let's be be honest about what this is. But he definitely like just tried to scorch Mark Polk cars left and right, whether it was tweets, whether it was YouTube videos that nobody but us watched. Right. Um, he was on the path of destruction for well, his appearances on British comedy podcasts. Yes. Yes. Um, he, I mean, look, he is the most relevant, irrelevant figure mm-hmm. in Western New York politics. Yeah. I, I going back, or or irrelevant, relevant figure. But one of the things I I, I would like to say it's like to somebody like Nate who thinks about like you know. A, Politics also being a game of resources, right? Because he's talked about the resources involved. Is that putting somebody like Tim Kennedy, who we know has been able to raise an amazing amount of money in his Senate district um, already, in a congressional seat, maybe that's not the progressive that you would like to see in that seat as far as, as left of politics goes. But what that probably means, and I'm sure this is what the, you know, the Democratic Congressional Campaign Committee is thinking is that if you get somebody who's as good at raising money as, as Tim Kennedy is in that seat and he's able to be there for a while and just pile up money, one of the things he can do is funnel that money into your flip camp, your, your coin flip districts, into, into your purple districts, into your campaigns, and he can help fund those and maybe you can win some seats so you can take the majority. Yeah. And that, and that is, you know, probably one of the things that the D trip dislike about Higgins the most is that he doesn't take advantage of how safe his seat is to raise that kind of money, right? Whereas I think they feel pretty confident that if it's Tim Kennedy there, he's going to raise the money. And if you're some, if you're somebody who's such a big West New York Buffalo backer as Nate is, and somebody who says they understand politics as much as Nate does. Would you rather have a very leftist member of Congress who can't really raise money and can't really get votes together, or would you have somebody who, because they're able to raise money like like Tim Kennedy is, is able then also to turn around and provide a lot of money to your district? And when the votes are important, be able to whip them. Do I would, I, would I like Tim to like, you know, be more on the left? Yes, absolutely. You know, I would love him to be much further left than he, than he is publicly. But also, like I've said, he takes the votes. The other thing about this, too, by the way, is Nate's, you know, occasional crusade for you know, the leftist candidate of your dreams because we're the bluest district 
And it's just like, okay, Nate, you personally have done nothing to help grow the the development of that leftist movement of your dreams. He globs on to, you know, these leftist causes in his tweets uh, in between when he's talking about, uh, you know, the Israel-Palestine. Uh, no, but he doesn't even do that because, remember, he openly got into a, a, a lot of Twitter fights with actual Democratic Socialists and Supervisor-elect Brian Nowak because he, according to him, Brian Nowak was too much of, like, because he got the Democratic endorsement, must have must have sold his soul to Poland Connors and Zellner and been too much of an ass kisser. And, like, he just loves those guys so much. Even though, did Brian take their help? Yep. Did he compromise his values? Nope. Yeah. I mean, again, incoherent. Yeah. Truly, like, this is somebody who, again, we, we pay attention. Well, we pay attention because he's... It's hilarious, but also because like this guy, theoretically, Jim, if you told me there was a three time congressional candidate, former Grand Island supervisor who was regularly putting out like political takes, we would take that seriously, right? Like you, you, you would think like, you, yeah, you would, you think, would, you would think it wouldn't just be a fucking punchline, which right, it is. Right, for right, us, right. But, yeah, yeah. I mean, like, like three time congressional candidate doesn't necessarily mean anything because that we're also talking about Eddie Egru then. Sure. Right. But, uh, you know. Also, somebody who was supervisor of, you know, not a large town, but like a, a, a reasonably substantive town in the area. Sure. That should be somebody. And, and somebody who was a, he wasn't just a congressional candidate. Like, like we joke, Eddie Egro was a three-time congressional candidate. Vinay McMurray was endorsed by one of the two major parties three times. Yeah. Yeah, so he wasn't just like much to their chagrin in hindsight, right? but. But much to like, as he's like, anybody who's endorsed by that party basically sold their soul. Just like Nate, who's been endorsed by the party three times. And, and, and they go out of the way to clear the field for him three times, but they don't clear it forever for him. And and as we as we again, you know, wind down this iteration of the Square Podcast, whatever the future holds, who knows? But it won't be a weekly show, I promise you that. Um, at least not about politics. But right. I, I will say, like it, it it is it has been fun documenting this person truly unhinged tweets. I, I think we could say that. Yeah. Uh, truly, like, you're like, what in God's green earth are, are these posts that you just get regularly? But also, they're awesome. Well, you know, we talked about the heavy political stuff, which is, frankly, giving Nate McMurray way too much credit, in my opinion. Let's talk about, let's just talk about, first off, how fucking vain this man oh is. Oh, my God. That's, I mean, Carly Simon needs to rewrite her song. Like, this guy... For somebody who clearly misses leg day, just loves himself, loves to talk about. Again, I would not be shocked if this was an Andy Kaufman like yeah, performance no, art piece. I mean, no, this is yeah, no, but narcissist McMurray. Yeah, yes, yes. Uh, we have some hot ones off the presses today uh, about. Uh, well, he was res- so he responded to somebody down a thread, um, and then he retweeted it for the world to see. So somebody. Re- replied to him in this thread like oh nate was always lifting weights and exercising um whatever basically saying like whatever and then nate responded if i posted some pics of my gym my workout routine it would literally break the buffalo internet that's with laughter with i mean like i mean that's just such an absolutely insane thing to say (laughs) he's so fucking cool he's so funny dude and like how they just don't make him like this guy they don't make him like this guy. We also have uh, another fucking uh, tweet in a thread and then a quote tweet of this uh, where he's talking about he's totally jacked. And then he says, tell me your name. And you'll get a free pick of me shirtless. It will be awesome. So That's, if, he should say that for his Reddit account. And like you, you get the free shirt when you subscribe to his OnlyFans, like those women out of Pittsburgh who run the uh the GoFundMe so they can give him a, a Valentine's Day gift. We're not even talking like his tweets come so fucking hot and fast. We're not, I'm not even talking about he he popped off something last week. Uh, it was like a it was like a Facebook boomer meme. So it, it was a tweet. How much of our food comes from undocumented labor? Something like only two percent of farm labor in California is produced by people who ate U.S. citizens. It should be who are. I only bring that up because Nate does 
pay for Twitter Blue to edit his tweets, but does not edit the typos. What the fuck are you paying for then? Anyway, be thankful, America. Stop vilifying the people, feed you, allow you to play Fortnite all day. He also has like some weird hang up about Fortnite, Jim. He often will tweet about Fortnite and people playing Fortnite. Yeah, no, it's, uh, yeah, he, 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 it seems like, you know, like a lot of like people, people as they get older, like there's like one last cultural touchstone that they remember and that's all they reference for the rest of their lives. And Nate's brain turned off about six years ago and he, like, he doesn't know anything past Fortnite. But, but which is crazy because for somebody who's as horny about working at like at like muscular and looks, he would love Baldur's Gate three. <laughs> well, what's even more about this post? So he included an image with this, and so the top part of the image, you know, it's a meme macro format. The top part is what looks like to be a you know a typical white American family at a dinner table uh, that says "Thank you Jesus for this meal," and then the bottom of the macro is what appears to be a you know a, a latino young boy working in a field somewhere with the caption donata which is just the most fucking facebook boomer shit i've ever yeah. like this is I, this is like a whole other kind of post like we this is like an amalgamation of an instagram story of a facebook boomer meme on twitter what well, it, it makes me think of like i think i, I mentioned uh, on election day i was in Lancaster at the fucking Elks playing Euchre for one of my father's friends in his Euchre League because the only reason my parents had children is so they have people to play cards with. And so they taught me Euchre when I was four. And so people are like, hey, can you play Euchre for me? You've been playing it for 40 fucking years. Uh, and you're, you're pretty good at it. And while I was there, like the old retired white cops behind me were talking about how they couldn't vote for Chrissy Casilio because she just wasn't a serious candidate. And Nate thinks he could be people, but he doesn't realize that the vast majority of people think of him like Chrissy Casilio. They don't think of him as a serious candidate. He's just not a serious candidate. I mean, you know, like, you know, this is the day the clown cried is when the day that Nate McMurray files his petitions at the Board of Elections. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, just and I, I, I never um, I never knew who his audience is is. Like who he's tweeting to? Mm-hmm. It's like he's just tweeting to like nobody. Well, so here's the thing: is, uh, the, so this got uh, on our our Discord a couple weeks ago. Speaking of the congressional race, uh, Pat Burke put us out a statement. Bojack talked about it last week uh, yeah. uh, about like you know people are calling me to run for Congress, and uh, uh, one of our our our, uh, our, our commenters, uh, Andrew, uh, was like. Nobody's calling him like that. Like that. That's bullshit. And I was like, unfortunate. Actually, like every single person who's like any kind of public persona has some people who are like one hundred percent stands for them. And like there are people calling Pat Burke, telling him he should run for Congress. Just like there are people who like live and die by what Nate McMurray says. People who may in fact have given him hundreds, if not thousands, of dollars at one point. Yeah. Whether it was for Congress or Valentine's Day. Who's to say? Anyway, uh, that is this week's episode of The Square uh, on the the political news of the week side. Yeah. But stay tuned for a fun... Are we, we going to put the interview uh, after this, Jim? I mean, that's up the snake. All right. Well, whatever. <laughs> well, either you've already heard Tyler Westcott talk about uh, himself, his musical size, uh, stylings, the folk faces, and our Christmas party, or... You're going to hear about it now. Either way, uh, another wonderful episode in the can. And, yeah, I am uh, I'm getting more pumped for the Christmas parties. Yeah, uh, yeah. Buy tickets. Uh, you know, like, there are limited tickets, limited tickets available. Uh, also, like, you know, I have to buy food still. Uh, I, I want, I'm going to buy food based off of how many pre-sale tickets we have. So, you know, if everybody waits until, like, the day of or the last week, uh, we might run out of food because mm-hmm. I'll be like, well, I, I mean – we're, we're not going to have that many people. I, sh- I shouldn't get that many pizzas. Right. Not to give away what we're having. Yeah, don't... First off, don't miss a good time. Secondly, don't deny yourself the pizza. Yeah. So get those tickets. Let us know you're coming. And, uh, yeah, we'll tear it up. So, uh, yeah, thanks again. And we'll talk to you soon. <laughs>
With Let's Go Pills, I wanted to make a beer that was similar to the beers I grew up drinking in, in the tailgate. And I wanted a clear American lager that was crisp and, and just really sharp. It, it takes the classic American lager and, and we, we showcase craft ingredients made by locals, made by fans, uh, to be shared by fans. Bring community to all that you do and good things happen.